everybody. How are we doing today? Welcome back to week three of Relationship Goals here at Church Alive. For those of you watching online, welcome as well. And for those of you in the overflow, welcome as well. We hope everyone is having a great, great week. Oh, There's let's hear you there. again. Come everyone. on, one more time. Give us a shout, guys. Thank you. All God right. bless you. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. This is the first service, first weekend in our church that we've had three overflows yeah. every service. So come on, can we give that a hand? Cool. Pretty incredible what God's doing. Yeah. And uh, you guys do an amazing job inviting people. We do need to give a shout out we forgot to mention. Um, if you are part of Thrive, Thrive 401, actually 104, our fourth part of it, uh, you should go right now. Like right now, with the overflow in go. here, a couple of people leaving. Um, our bad on, on I think not. I a bunch uh, of people are downstairs know. already, but we forgot to mention yes. it. Yes. Thanks, uh, thanks for doing that. Well, let me start off with a quick story and then we'll get. Into it. I have, uh, my wife and I have three children, seven years old, four and a half, and nine months. Love being a dad, love being, obviously Miriam loves being a mom, and it's incredible. However, they are at the stage, the top two of them, where they fight like, like cats and dogs, okay? Yeah. Uh, they'll fight over lollipops. Who got the most lollipops? Who didn't? Uh, M&Ms. Uh, someone got 100, someone got 99. There's a fight. Um, TV shows. Uh, Benny wants to watch Star Wars, uh, Return of the Sith or something like this, and she wants to watch, who knows? Princesses. Uh, princesses and so forth. And so they are fighting. Um, often there's dirty looks. Um, so, you know, some people are like, oh, pastors, they're perfect. No, no, they're not. They fight. Um, headlock, wrestle, punch, poke. You were um, about to put me in a headlock, weren't you? I was you? thinking about it. Um, I saw I, his arm going that I way. Like I about to, to drop kick demonstrate when I'm speaking <laughs> – so there's pinching, wrestling, punching, there's fighting over money. Who's got the most money in their piggy their bank? Their piggy bank. Yeah. Um, TV shows, food, all kinds of stuff. Who gets dropped off to school first? Who gets dropped off to school last? Uh, who gets in the car first? Who gets out of the car first? Um, name it. It's there. Okay. So in other words, Ben and Rachel are like an unhealthy married couple. <laughs> totally committed to themselves. And getting exactly what they want. And so we've been doing a relationship series. And today, the title of our message is actually the sale of unselfishness. And we want to talk about that sale. Because we've been sailing through this journey over the last three weeks. And uh, we understand that we live in a relational world. God is a relational God. The moment you were born, you were born into relationship. Every single one of us has a mom has a dad, has people in our world, and we want to do relationships well. And, and when you get to the end of your, your life, it won't be how much money you have. It'll actually be the quality of your relationships that will determine generally the happiness of your life. So how many want to do relationships well? Yes. So why don't you go through, babe, on uh, the last two weeks, what we talked about. So who remembers what we covered the first week? What was the first sale we covered? Intentional, yeah, intentionality. So intentional with our words, intentional with dating, and also intentional with our connection to Christ. So that was a great week. And um, who remembers last week? What was the second sale we talked about? Forgiveness. Man, oh, those guys are loud yeah. out there. You guys are That's awesome. awesome. Um, and then this week, as Anthony mentioned, we're going to be um, sailing along with unselfishness. Why don't we pray? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for... God, those downstairs and, and outside the room, and God, those in the room and those that watch online. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your touch would be upon this place and this house and every single person, 
Lord, who's hearing these words. God, I pray you give them a heart of wisdom. God, I pray that you would shine your light as only you can. Holy Spirit, help men in this house, help women in this house. Help us do relationships better, whether single, dating, or married. God, I pray for your wisdom upon your people. I pray for your wisdom upon our lives. I pray that we wouldn't just talk the talk, but we'd walk the walk. Help us grow. We look to you. We need you. Lord, we're naturally selfish all by ourselves, but God, we need you. We thank you for this. Why don't we pray this simple prayer together? Jesus, Jesus. speak to my heart. Change my life in your powerful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We're talking about unselfishness. And if I said to you, love is, you'd come up with a whole bunch of things. You might say love is feeling, love is uh, butterflies in the stomach. But let's look at scripture. Let's see what the, God's word has to say on what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, famous, famous passage of scripture. It's at lots of weddings. It's always nice in a wedding. The, the, the bride is looking amazing. The husband's trying to dress like James Bond. There's party, there's food, there's champagne, there's all that kind of stuff. And when you say these lines, it's poetic. However, if you really take on board these scriptures, it's not poetic, it's challenging. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, love, why don't you read it? Sure. Uh, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. I love that one. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8 says, love never fails. And we're going to focus a bit on verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Most people are having marriage problems, in all honesty, because we are older children. The challenge in your world relationally many times is because there's an inner child who wants to jump out and throw a fit. Let's be honest. When I say to my son, go do this, son, sometimes he literally throws himself on the floor. I was like, son, you're going to go clean up 10 things in your room. And he literally, like, just, ah, ah. like down here. And I'm like, Ben, get up. Stop acting like a baby. And do you know, married people, dating people, doesn't matter. Many times it's your inner child that you have to deal with. That selfish, self-centered, say whatever you think, selfish little person in there that needs to get a beat down. Some of you are, I don't believe in beating kids. I do. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I mean it in love. Um, look, I was whooped when I was young. And I was glad I was whooped. Why? Because I need a whooping. And some of us, we still need whipping, don't we? Let's get honest. Why don't you give them the definition, love? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to just tap my knees. <laughs> Just a little I have to recover from that one. We have diapers calling us now. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, okay. So selfishness is one decision at a time to benefit you. And the first few weeks or even months of dating, it's so funny. You don't have to actually, you don't hit that part where you actually have to die to self a bit because you're so in love. You're just trying to do everything, you know, to please that person. You're just starting to date. You know, you're buying flowers. You know, you're that romantic edge that a you t-shirt. never have. What? buy me a t-shirt yes I would dating. yes I would that was her hint of you yeah. you have no style yeah it was funny yeah. when we started dating 
It, you know, we, we met like a year and a half before we started dating, and there was just some stuff. I'm like, yeah, I don't like the way she dresses. And so <laughs> when we first started Thank getting you. together, instead of me, you know, I don't know what girls normally buy guys, but I used to just buy him shirts. Like, here, this is a nice shirt. Span the wardrobe. I was your typical guy. You go into the, the, where you go buy clothes, and you're like, well, blue looks good. <laughs> so all, all he my had shirts was blue. blue. Blue or gray. gray. So, Maybe uh, a few blacks there. That was it. I was like, Then wow. when I knew, when I knew that uh, you really didn't like something, she was like, you know, when we go up to Jersey, uh, you could go see the barber that I know. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, she hates my hair too. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. all good. <laughs> okay, so selfishness is one decision at a time to benefit you, but unselfishness is actually one decision at a time to benefit the other person and actually ends up benefiting you in the long run. It's funny, we think that sometimes selfishness is to meet our own need, but when we start putting others before us, um, we actually find that we get fulfilled and actually God blesses us and our world gets affected when we put others before us. When I was in college, um, my campus pastor, Dwayne Carson, loved him. He's like the best, but he used to have like a million points in his sermons and always acronyms and things like that. And I'll never forget this one. He was talking about how to have joy. And so often we think how to have joy is getting the things that we want. I, 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 me, 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 what's going to make me happy? And he actually said, no, joy is the other way around. Joy is Jesus first others than yourself. Obviously, when it comes to your health, you have to make a priority to take care yeah. of yourself. You can't take it, care of anybody else yeah. if you're not healthy. healthy boundaries and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. But when it comes to your needs and stuff like that, you'll often find that as you put Jesus first, you know, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto you. Um, but then it says others next, you know, love God and love people. And that's Amen. so important. It's good. Hey, marriage, if you fight for what you want all the time in marriage, You'll actually have the marriage you don't want. If you fight for what you want, my rights, I need, me, me, my, you'll actually have the marriage you don't want. Um, But if you embrace unselfishness and serve the other one, focus on what they want, weirdly, strangely, you'll actually get the marriage that you do want. Um, How many of you have ever struggled with selfishness? Hopefully every single one of you isn't lying in here. All of us deal with this. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you pray or don't pray, spiritual, non-spiritual, rich, poor. It does not matter. All of us deal with that selfish side of ourselves. And the biggest challenge I've had in marriage isn't Miriam. It's actually me. And sometimes, so I've got, I, I'm speaking, I know to every single person here today, if you'll deal with you, if you'll allow God to deal with your selfishness, because we all have it, then then flourishing can happen. Again, let me point out the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Children are self-focused, aren't they? They throw fits. They cry and yell. They speak without thinking. It says, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Therefore, the best thing for my marriage is actually putting on manhood and Miriam putting on womanhood. Amen. Let's talk about a few areas today, real practical areas, the real and the raw, um, that jumps not into your Sunday, but into your Monday. How does selfishness affect you right here? So we're going to deal with about five different things when it comes to 
selfishness. Yeah, and the first one we're going to talk about, it actually applies less to marriage. It just applies to relationships as a whole. Um, because reality, we're all in relationship, whether to a spouse or to a parent or whatever it is that whatever season you're in. And, and the first one we're going to talk about, it sounds funny bringing this one into a relationship series, but so many relationships um, are affected by this one area. And it's such a selfish area. And it's the area of gossip. Gossip is so selfish. And the word of God actually has a lot to say regarding gossip. And, and one of the things, you know, I remember growing up, it was the most riveting and the most damaging of my behaviors, me and my girlfriends. It was almost like, Anytime something new is coming up, a new relationship or someone broke up or something like that, it's like, did you know? And, you know, sometimes that's cool when the intention isn't to tear someone down, when the intention isn't a heart attitude that has wrong motives. But gossip is about wrong motives. Yeah. It's about you wanting to tear someone down. It's about you wanting to, you know, throw dirt at someone's reputation. It's about talking about other people's lives that you wouldn't want to say to their face. And, you know, and one of the things that I truly believe about gossip, it's a toxic behavior. And it's basically controlled by a toxic habit. You know, gossip is actually a bad habit, and we have to be intentional. And you have to probably sit there and examine yourself for a moment and say, you know, do I practice gossip? Do I yeah. engage in the action or the behavior of gossip? And I'd say at times I probably do. At times we all do to a certain extent, and we just don't realize how selfish yeah. and how actually harmful it is when our heart attitude is wrong, when we're trying to mock or make someone look bad. And you know, you have a person, you have a spouse. If there's anyone I'm going to bring something up with, it's always Anthony. There's no secrets. I tell Anthony everything. And um, so there's difference, you know, when you're venting, when you need to speak something. Even if it's not the best about someone, you have one person, and that might be your spouse. But when you're starting to go to two or three or four people, maybe it's something you don't agree with. Just because you don't agree with anything doesn't mean you have to talk about everything you don't agree with. Sometimes totally. silence yeah. is the best thing. And um, if you do have an issue, if you're truly concerned about someone and what they're doing, you have two yeah. options. Pray for them or actually go to them. Your, your third option isn't talking about them to other people. And so it's really important. And here at Church Alive, you know, we truly believe in our culture. We speak the best about people and we believe the best about people. And so, you know, we say this a lot in our Thrive class. You have two buckets of water in your hands. One is gas, one is water. And if you hear someone gossiping, you have the opportunity to A, throw fire and let that gossip just go nuts yeah. or to throw water on that and actually the gossip settles down and um, I truly believe gossip dies when it hits a wise person's ears and I believe that we can all grow in wisdom and we can yeah. be the kind of church that is filled with wisdom and so uh, that's a tweetable tweet just want to let you know gossip dies when it hits a wise person's ears yeah tweet so Will you be that wise person? So that's yeah. super important. And you know, and I want to tell you this. Maybe you're a person in here and you've been affected um, by gossip. And I just want to encourage you. Sometimes what happens is people try to expose what's wrong about you because they simply can't handle what's right about you. So don't be upset or don't be discouraged. Yeah, people could be people and they can be rude sometimes. But it's not often because you're not good. It's often because you're too good and people can't handle that. Um, and so 
and just on another note too, women, another woman's beauty is not the absence of your own. You know, That's and good. men, another man's success is not the absence of your own either. And so instead of us looking at another person and feeling threatened by their beauty or their success or whatever, actually let's be encouraged because God made us beautiful and God made us successful. And, and we can be encouraged in that um, and we don't have to fight for that. But instead we can speak and believe the best of everyone. Yeah. Can we get an amen? Gossip. Second one we want to talk about today is fighting. Fighting. Um, every couple fights. Craig and Amy Groeschel, uh, best-selling authors, wrote the book From This Day Forward, Five Steps to a, to a Great Marriage. Uh, suggest that to every single person in here. They said this, all couples fight, but healthy couples fight fair. And I think it's, it's sometimes good to hear that in a marriage. Listen, you're in a marriage relationship, all couples fight. All couples fight to some extent. There will be, now some's bad fighting, some's unhealthy. Um, unhealthy couples fight dirty with below the belt jabs, sucker punches, angry accusations, and bitter grudges. But healthy couples fight for resolution. Yeah. He unhealthy couples fight for personal victory. Yeah. And so you might identify in yourself right now like, wow, I'm actually being identified as a bit of an unhealthy fighter. Then this is the perfect time. This is why we're talking about this. So you can pray and ask God to change you on the inside out so that you can become a healthier person. Um, healthy people lead to healthy marriages. We told the first service. We didn't tell people last night, but th I guess I forgot. But uh, I told uh, the church at the 945. Yesterday, Anthony and I had a little disagreement in the morning. Yes, we have disagreements. <laughs> and so it was funny. And, and uh, yeah. normally, I don't apologize because I'm always right. Um, <laughs> So he often says sorry. But this time, you know, I think I, I, I definitely was in the wrong a bit. Um, there's always, we can always reason bit, for why. <laughs> we can always reason for why we're right. You know, yeah. when you're arguing, you often feel really committed to why you're right. We're both feeling that way. Um, but it was funny, about 20 minutes goes by and I'm wrestling. I'm like, I need to go say sorry. You know, I need to go say sorry. That's not easy for me. I'm like Rachel, I'm like, sorry. You know, I'm a little bit like that. But I'm definitely practicing that like as we mentioned last week, but it was funny, like 30 minutes later, I went up to Anne, like, I'm so sorry, honey. And he was like, what the heck? You are growing up, honey. You are growing up. But here was the problem. For the rest of the day, he kept coming up to me, oh, my wife's growing up. And <laughs> I was, was like, was oh, moment. for it the really love was. of everything I, I know. Like, honey, you're changing. <laughs> you're growing to be more like Jesus. <laughs> I was like, whatever. If you say it again, I'm taking it back and I'm drop kicking you. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, a successful marriage has two people who don't allow the inner child to come out whenever they feel like it. Um, let's talk uh, quickly about money. Um, again, uh, culture's a little weird on this. Prenups and all that kind of stuff. $3.99, get a divorce and so forth. Where you find contractual thoughts and living when it comes to marriage, you'll find quick divorces. It's just the way it is. But if you view a marriage as a covenant, uh, contracts, you find lawyers. Covenant, you find God. Covenant is two people understanding that God put man and woman together, man and woman together. The cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. And that is the covenant that God created ever since the beginning in how it's to be. And so, um, when it comes to money, I mean, you might be in here today, you don't fight about money, don't, don't have hassle regarding money, and, and you deal with it very well. Awesome. That's, 
that's cool. Um, others of you, you may that may be a source of tension for you. You may fight about money and so forth. Again, I, I just think if you if you get the foundation right, which is okay, one flesh and covenant. Therefore, you don't have this thought on your money and his money and so forth. And I uh, I make more than you, so I get to spend more than you and so forth. You got to die to that thing. Um, you know, it, you throw it into one part and and Miriam. Actually, she's the one that does the budgeting, so she gives me a certain allowance in essence. Uh, but it's an agreed upon yeah. amount. I wish it was more, but it's, it's whatever it is. I say, honey, if you want me to be fabulous, I have to spend a little bit more money than you. You know what I mean? So. I and, and honestly, I do understand that. That's uh, reality. Like, He's if, not I, if I spend more money on clothes than, than my wife, I think something's wrong. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And so I just, again, I think, you know, in unity in marriage, talk through it. Um, sometimes yeah. you got to have some uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And I'll even throw this out. You know, Anthony mentioned some people might have the separate bank accounts and they're fine. They never talk about it. But I wonder if you think it's fine, but the other spouse is actually a bit insecure about it or a bit hurt about it or a bit confused about it and just never said anything. And it's worth a talk. You know, it is important that you come yeah. together and all that you do as one flesh, one accord. And so it's a bit weird when yeah. there's different things going on because there's no oneness in that. It's a little bit funky. Um, like... Men, let's say you had a stay-at-home mom and a wife and so forth, and so you bring in all the money in essence, and, and you can't throw that in, in the other one's face. You might have a wife. She makes yeah. more money than you and so forth, and if she comes in, and uh, she'll take away your manhood. If she's bringing up, I make more money than you. Yeah. Again, it's one part, one bank account. Uh, I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Let's delve into, we talked about gossiping, talked about uh, finances. Let's talk about, let's talk about sex. Um, Song out there starts like that. Let's talk about sex, baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> you and me. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> talk about that later. <laughs> um, it's not that it's hot in here sorry. already, you know no, what I mean? No. Sorry, do apologize for the heat. It's a little warm in <laughs> here. Um, some people are leaving service right now. It's getting a little hot for Johnny Santiago. Yeah. Um, if we can lower the heat in here, that'd be great. <laughs> Um, sometimes when it comes to men, men are hunters, like to hunt, shoot a deer, cut his head off, throw him on the wall, okay? A little bit like that sometimes when it comes to marriage, um, shoot your wife, throw on the wall, and so forth. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you no longer pursue her, you no longer hunt, you, uh, you've done the dating, and now you've got a ring, and so forth, and, uh, you want to be intentional about that. You want to keep dating your wife. You want to be intentional. Keep the more you her. meet her emotional needs, um, you know, they'll be open to uh, to many other things and so forth. And um, I think that's important. And sometimes, men, you can be, we can be uh, um, kind of like a little child. You're going to give me sex or the Bible says submit or something like that. That's not a line you want to throw out a whole lot. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Uh, one flesh, pastor said, it's, you know, whatever. Don't throw me into there, okay? Uh, that'd be weird. Um, however, um, do understand this. When the pastor said, you guys come together, you are now husband and wife, one flesh, at that moment, basically, he may not have said at the time, he probably should have, he said that you are both now responsible for each other's sexual needs. That's really what you're saying. You're saying, listen, you're not going to go have sex with someone else, but I am going to take care of things here. And I'll just highlight what Anthony just said. Sexual 
needs. Some people don't understand. A lot of times us women, we don't understand because we're not wired the same way as men. But sexual needs, there's certain needs that need to be met. For us, it's more emotional needs and it's different types of needs. But God wired men differently. And so it is a need. It's not just a want. It is a want, but it's actually a need. You know, so it's very important that you shift that mindset a bit. Um, because if you don't, you're going to be heading into some icy waters. Yeah. And look, look, sometimes we get nervous uh, with people about talking about sex and so forth. I'm telling you the best place to talk about sex yeah. is in the house of God. Yeah. It's not on Instagram. It's not on yeah. Facebook. It's not in the social media aspects and yeah. TV. And listen, uh, people with, with kids... Um, they're learning about it already. Yeah. Um, you need to be having conversations, but one of the healthiest places you can have conversations about sex um, is in the house of God. God is not surprised by sex. The devil didn't invent sex. God created sex. Yeah. When God threw Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't go, oh my goodness, what are they doing? <laughs> Gabriel and uh, the Micah, Michael, the archangel, was just like, oh my goodness, what is happening down there? This is very weird. <laughs> No, he created it, he made it, he made it, though, for the context of marriage. I'm so glad you didn't say what you said last night. Okay, I'm like sweating. I mean, you said something hilarious last night that I was just hoping you wasn't going to say. But yeah, anyway. They're going to feel bummed out. Yeah, what happened. Yeah, watch uh, online yeah, or something. Right. Don't. <laughs> First Corinthians 7, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Paul was speaking to the church, believers. And likewise, his wife to a husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to a husband. And the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Just be careful here, though, men, that Paul speaks to you twice as much as he speaks to ladies. And he says, love your wives. So if you are going to just miss, don't be weird and misquote scripture and bring this up from time to time. Okay, uh, love your wives, live with your wives in an understanding way, and there'll be a healthy dynamic um, God willing there. Yeah. And I'll even say this, and I hope ladies don't get, don't get mad at me um, for this, but one of the things that we're really good at is throwing this phrase out, I don't feel like it, or I'm too tired, or I have a headache, and um, take some Advil or something, I don't know, have a cup of coffee, I don't know. But obviously, I'm going to say, look, I'm, I'll say it as well. There's times where I'm tired, and I'll say, not tonight, baby, you know what I mean? But one of the things that me and Anthony, and it's awkward talking about this to our church, you know, people think pastors don't have sex. Oh, yes, we do. Anyway, so... <laughs> Three children. We didn't just it. have it three times, baby. You know, to have three awesome kids, you got to practice a lot to have them awesome. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, moving along. But anyway, one of the things that we. <laughs> sorry, I went there. You just okay. hit by my microphone. <laughs> But any sorry, but what I'm saying is it's really important. Me and Anthony had a talk once a while ago. There, I think when like shut. <laughs> Okay, bringing it back. When we had our second child, you know, you're really tired. I can't even look at the church right now. You're really <laughs> tired. And um, it was funny right. because Anthony and I went to Paisano's, or one of our favorite date night spaces, and it was supposed to be a romantic night and whatever, a date night. And it wound up being a really intense conversation about him frustrated about some stuff, me frustrated about some stuff. And he brought up, he's like, honey, if you're tired all the time, like, I need my needs to be met. And I was just, well... 
well, you know, try to come up with something, but it's true. And, and he's like, look, if you're tired one night, then my expectation is the next night you take some coffee or something and you're up for it, you know? And, and it's so true because we want our needs to be met, but yet when they need their, when they need their needs to be met, we think yeah. they're being selfish and we think that they don't understand. But if we're saying that it's okay for us to live by our feelings, then we're basically saying it's okay for you to live by your feelings. And the reality is for men, if we're not careful, ladies, in meeting their need, temptation for them is just going to go up higher because they have needs, physical needs. And so it's really important. It's our responsibility if God's given to them as our spouse. And this is for married people only, sex within the context of marriage. Um, you know, we truly believe the Bible is very clear. You know, sex before marriage is not healthy. There's reasons why God set that parameter. Um, it's a gift he's given to us in marriage. Um, we truly believe that before marriage, it can actually hurt people, devastate people, leave people heartbroken. Yeah. Um, for men, it wrecks them, their yeah. thought life. You know, it gives it, it makes it really hard even in marriage for them. And so we believe that marriage... And let me say this regarding single people real quick. Single people, listen, you know, obviously we have a culture that shacks up and, and so forth so, so quickly. Um, so many times you'll, you'll, you'll give your best to someone, you give your absolute best, um, they know every intimate detail about your life, but you've, hang out, you've hung out with them three times. Um, unless you're ready to actually um, understand that you want a generation coming out of that person, you've got to get to know them. Listen, the person may have anger issues, depression issues, they may have um, weird sexual issues, all that kind of stuff. You need to get to know someone before you get naked with them. I mean, you really do. And wait until there's a ring on it and the Lord says you are now man and wife. Yeah, yeah. and look, we understand there's a real struggle with that. There's yeah. temptation with that. That's hard. That that takes committed boundaries. Listen, I, I understand. Listen, if you're not a Christian, that's just new to you. Like, why would you do that? Um, I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people, who are, again, following Christ. Um, and so even for those passionately following Christ, that's difficult. And so we understand that difficulty. But therefore, that's why you're in relationship with other Christians who are trying to do the same thing as you are. Does that make sense? And again, the greatest blessing you can do many times to your marriage is have self-control before marriage. Because putting a ring on your finger doesn't change your self-control. Actually, you have to continue to grow. And married people, single people often think this, that married people have no temptation. Rubbish. Married people have temptation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning to be a person of self-control blesses you That's right. amen let's talk about some practical stuff jobs around the house dinner out vacations love do you want to talk us through that one you know it's so simple but you'd find that there's so many couples that struggle along this side and different times when we've talked to different couples the simplest things that you might think are so silly to bring up even in a message like today actually causes a lot of issues when it comes to the area of self unselfishness or selfishness but you know when you first get married or whatever part of the journey in your relationships you are make the expectations really clear maybe you're big on traditional gender roles where you know the wife stays home she cares for the home that is her full-time job for men to come back and be like you know hey you know i worked all day well she did too you know cleaning up and and making sure the house is ready for you Um, 
um, or whether it's raising children or whatever, but um, have, pull your weight around the house. And sometimes what happens is you can come home, whether you're the one who works woman or he's the one who works or both of you work. If both of you work, then both of you have the responsibility of upholding the home. Um, when I first uh, got married to Anthony, the night before we got married, I just asked him a simple question, like, what are your expectations of me? And the first thing he said was actually super deep and it actually really affected these 12 years of marriage that we've had. He just said, be nice. Yeah. But then the next thing I said, well, what's the practical need that you need from me? And, and he's like, oh, I don't know. What, what, what do you want to do when you're married? I'm like, well, I'll cook and clean. That's what I grew up you know, seeing. I'll do the laundry and I just expect you to take the trash. And then if someone rings our doorbell at three o'clock in the morning, get the bat underneath our bed and go kill him. You know? <laughs> That's your job. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I won't go there. But um, so, yeah, that's just some of the stuff that I think sometimes it's not clear. Maybe you need to go have a Starbucks date today after church or a lunch date or whatever or tomorrow and just be like, hey, are our expectations clear? Like, um, are you cool? Like, do you need me to pull more weight? Am I being selfish here? Because, you know, women sometimes, they might carry a lot of resentment towards the person they're in relationship with yeah. because there's just no communication and they're, they don't want to, like, tick off the guy because he brings in the money or something. But the reality is there's a lot of yeah. weight that needs to be carried around in the house. Yeah. And the reality is there's, there's probably a bunch of people here that need to have some conversations um, and one conversation won't fix it. Yeah. You may need to have four or five that eventually you get there because you might try to have one and then it doesn't go so well. It literally leads to another fight. And so you're like, wow, we need to have this conversation again. And so I just want to encourage some people, listen, there is probably some conversations that will lead you to healthier places in your marriage. And one of the best things you could ask your partner is, hey, um, um, on a scale of one to ten, how full is your love tank? And therefore, they're going to let you know. And you might find out, wow, I thought it was eight, it's two. Make sense? When I was a child, I thought like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Every single one of us deals with selfishness. Here's the thing. If you fight for what you want all the time, if I fight for what I want all the time, I will have the marriage I don't want. However, if I fight for her needs, serve those needs, weirdly enough, I'll actually find the marriage I actually wanted. Real quick, we want to talk to two um, other people, mm -hmm. one single person, one married person, and we just want to ask them a simple question. Hey, how are you growing in your Sorry. relationships and unselfishness, and where can you grow? Why are you looking at me confused? I don't know. <laughs> Michelle, you want to come on down? And Mark, you want to come on down? Come on, Shelly. Give her a hand as she comes down. So, Michelle, tell us how, in your relationship with Paul, and Paul's super excited, he's going to hold this one against you now. <laughs> how do you feel like in your relationship with Paul, you guys have been married now for how long? A year and a half. Oh, is that it? Cool. Man. And how long did you guys date for before that? Oh, um, three years. Okay, not that long. Cool, awesome. Um, so, tell us how, in your relationship with Paul, that you can grow in unselfishness. Um, so one of the things that I noticed uh, I can be very selfish with is when we fight. Um, I really have the tendency to just want to be heard and know that he understands what I feel and my point. And I don't really listen to his side as much. Um, so I feel like a step for me for unselfishness is to just uh, take a step back and really listen to what he's saying as well. Um, so that it's fair. Yeah, come on. 
That's good. Yeah, it's Mark really good. Mark. Thanks, Charlene. You know, it's funny. We are, you can come, Marky. Uh, we're so committed to our feelings, but if we're committed to each other, let's be committed to the other person's voice as well. Because yeah. just because you don't agree doesn't mean it's not real for him or real for her. It's just as real as your feeling as it is for the other. Mark, Mark, you've been dating Esther for two years, you said? Yes. So Mark has been with Church Alive. Well, before it was Church Alive, it was Good Shepherd, GSC. He was one of the Come first on. young people that walked in through the door. Elks Lodge. Yes, when we were at Let's the Elks Lodge with 20-something people back then. And uh, he came into the doors accidentally. He was looking for another church, but he heard music. And he walked <laughs> in, and uh, we were setting up chairs. And I'm like, hi. And then I went and spoke to him. And I told him, yeah, this is the wrong church, but you're welcome to stay, you know. And he's and he been here left. ever since. Six years, seven years now? Yeah. Seven. So seven and a half years, Mark has been with Church Alive. So, yeah, come on. Yeah. He's one of my sons in the house, and it's so awesome to have him. But, Mark, so tell us a little bit about uh, you and Esther and how you feel like your next step in growing in unselfishness as a boyfriend um, is for you. Selfishness as a boyfriend. Man, there's so much. But I have to say, um, 2016, even before relationship goals, it's just been like a whole nother level as far as intentionality and communication. And I think um, a big thing with me and for us struggling with uh, like selfishness, unselfishness is, um, you guys touched up on it, is really to fight fair. And I have to say like this past 2016, we'll have like these little arguments or hard conversations, but it's never, um, it's never like condescending or like shots below the belt. Anytime it goes that way, I'm like, hey, um, we really try to understand, especially me, I really try to understand, okay, why is Esther feeling this way? Why is she really pressing on this, like, dinner with mom or something? Like, we just had dinner. But it's not, it's not about that. It's really when um, you communicate things and she has a certain expectancy of dinner. Hey, we're supposed to dress up, and I come in, in like, jeans and converses, and everyone's, like, <laughs> in dresses, like, heels, and I'm like, ooh, this is all. Like, that could be, that hasn't happened, but it could be, like, it's super awkward, like, tough conversation after that um so really fighting fair and what else communicating like a lot of the times I want to I feel like I'm right or I don't understand her side of the story like why is she feeling like that so when I lay down my selfishness and being mindful to how she's feeling and why she's bringing up I kind of I kind of like pull myself out of the circumstance and um really communicate like okay she's feeling this way and I'm not emotionally connecting with her, which is why. And most of the time, it's just when you communicate things, expectancies, you just go on a whole nother level. It's <laughs> good, man. That's good. Come on. Put Give our hands Mark together hand. for Mark. That's awesome. So just to sum up what he's saying, he can grow in unselfishness when he's more intentional about how that person's feeling and how they yeah. communicate. That's really good. Selfishness is one decision at a time to benefit you. Unselfishness, one decision at a time to benefit the other, but ends up benefiting you in the long run. If you are selfish in relationships, your relationships will eventually smell like fish. If you are unselfish in relationships, there'll be a beautiful aroma about your relationship. Let me talk to you for a second. If you're new today or checking out church and a friend invited you, I had an unusual moment recently when I walked into a pharmacy and uh, someone uh, who comes to our church very occasionally 
kind of started shouting from the back of the pharmacy, this guy's a man of God. This guy's, I was like, what is going on? I was looking back. And Don't do that, please. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so anyway, this person was talking to me and showing me their, their Facebook. I look, I'm praising Jesus and doing this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And she was like, can I talk to you once you're done here? And I was like, yeah, you can. And, and uh, she's like, can I talk to you outside? I was like, sure. So I figured, you know, does she want some advice? Does she want prayer or something like that? And uh, anyway, I go outside and she was waiting for me and she was like, hey, can I, can I have $5? Um, and I was like, to be honest, I'm not holding $5. I, I mainly just do it with my bank card and so forth. So I, didn't, I literally didn't have a dollar to give her. I didn't have 25 cents to give her. And uh, she's like, oh, you don't have it. I was like, yeah, I don't have it. And she walked away. It was, it was, it was a funny moment, but it, it really made me think about something. It has to do with this. You can only give someone something you have. If I went up to Bill Gates and said to him, can I have a million dollars? Well, he could potentially give it to me. But what I want to talk to you about is why do you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness? It's because in his hands, he holds forgiveness. And in his hands, he holds eternal life. And in his hands, he holds abundant life. In his hands... In the hands of Jesus, a life itself. God Himself holds life. So why must we reconnect back to God to have eternal life? Why? He is the only one who holds it. So if I was to ask Buddha, if I was to ask Muhammad, if I was to ask any other religious man, the question you've really got to ask, can he give me what I'm asking him for? See, eternal life is so big. The very reason you were created is so big that you must ask the right person for that. I believe his name is Jesus. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The reason he can tell you about eternal life is he has crossed from death unto life. The reason he can say, I will forgive all of your sins is because he is God and he has the capacity to do that. And so listen, you might be in here today and you've not found purpose. You've not found meaning. I just want to tell you, who are you asking it from? In his hands, he holds purpose. In his hands, he holds meaning. In his hands, he holds grace. In his hands, he holds the very reason you were created. So if you are here today and you are not connected to him, if you're watching online or outside in the overflow today, if you are watching right now and you are not connected to the very reason you were created, if you have not received grace, if you have not received His mercy, then all you have to do is humble yourself like that woman did to me and say, can I have purpose? Can I have eternal life? Can I have forgiveness? And because He holds it, He can give it to you. The scripture says, if you ask the Lord, he will give it. So in this moment, in a moment, we're going to pray a simple prayer. But that prayer can change your world because if that prayer connects you to the person who holds forgiveness and holds eternal life, then that moment is the most significant moment where you can cross from death to life. No one moving around in these moments. This is a critical moment for some people to say yes to the one who's already said yes to them. So right now, why don't we close our eyes? Why don't we bow our head? And let me ask you a very simple question. You might have come in here searching, not sure about God. And you sense that the Lord right now is knocking upon the door of your heart. And if you'll authentically ask Him for what is in His hands, He will give it. 
Turn to Him. Trust in Him. He loves you more than you'll ever know. There's nothing that you've done that would ever separate you from the love of God. His love is abundant and merciful towards you. He loves you as an as a incredible father would love a child. He gave His life for you. He wants to connect. If you're not connected right now, by faith, you can. That's as a whole church. Pray this prayer together, Jesus. Thank you that in your hands, you hold mercy. You hold grace. You hold forgiveness. You hold my purpose. You hold the very reason I was created. So I humble myself right now. And by faith, I ask you to forgive me to release what is in your hands, to get, grant me eternal life, to grant me the purpose I was meant to live for. Right now, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. Fill me with your spirit. Change me. May I never be the same. Heads bowed, eyes closed in this place. This is a quick moment. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do just want to acknowledge your hand. If you've prayed that for the first time or you felt like you were far away from God, all across this place, man or woman, doesn't matter. You've been sitting in church a year or first time. It doesn't matter. Might be one hand or five or ten, but today who are about to respond and say, yes, I, I prayed that. I acknowledged that. I received and needed forgiveness all across this place right now. Would you raise your hand? Raise it up real high and say, yeah, I need that. I needed that. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am there. Anyone else? Real quick. Come on, shoot up your hand. Thank you. Some people responding saying, I'm coming back to God. Those two over there. Awesome. So good to see. Thanks, buddy, over here. Awesome. So good. Anyone else? I'm just waiting on you for a moment. So important that you acknowledge. Thanks, champ. So important that you acknowledge that you're coming back home. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He has a plan for your life and your world. There's nothing better than you can do than follow Him. In this moment, He's touching people's world and touching people's lives. Father, I pray for those who raise their hand right now. Some of them running back. Some of them done it before. But God, you know their heart. You know their hand. You know everything about their life. So right now, Jesus, I pray from the overflow room, Lord, to in here, I pray for every person who would raise their hand and say, yes, Jesus, I pray right now that your touch would be upon their world in a supernatural way. God, you are the author and the finisher of salvation. And I pray right now that you would do incredible miracles in this place. We believe you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.